This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes a friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of the law. Hello, everybody, welcome to the Exchange. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Tom King. Tom, welcome to the show, man. I, what a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I, I see you every other day. Uh, it feels like it, right? It. We got so many compliments for the conversation with Mitch and Doc. I, I wanted to compliment you because so many people were saying, wow, what a fantastic job you did. So great job. I Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I actually didn't get uh, any feedback about it whatsoever. So I was like, okay, I really fucked that one up. <laughs> no, man, people were, going, people were going gaga over it. I got emails I'm, and stuff. No man. way. Thank you. Yes. Well They're, done. Yeah, they are. You guys are, you guys are super... Uh, you know approachable and friendly and man that was my first interaction with uh with mitch or uh with doc and, oh uh, well i'm sorry you had to go through that I, no um... it was lovely they were you know they're awesome and uh <laughs> yeah i love their art and uh, i never know what to talk about with artists i feel like such a schmo because i'm like i'll talk to our writers because i used to fancy myself once so i'd be like oh what is it about you know the meta conversation going on in society but like with artists i'm like you really draw cool pictures that's a really cool drawing you did <laughs> Uh, what were you thinking when you drew that cool picture? They're like, I was probably watching Jeopardy, man. What do you want from me? Like, I've talked, I know artists. And they're like, I'm not thinking anything. I'm just letting my body do the thing that you enjoy. And I'm like, oh. I do feel it's like when you watch like Letterman and they're always talking to actors, but they never talk to them about acting. Like, because actors don't want to talk about that. Like, no. they just, because that's like, uh, we're writers. Like, when you ask me about a story, you're asking about my job. But like, for artists... Yeah, I, I try to engage all my best friends are artists and it's something I have no comprehension of. Like, I know. My hands don't do it. My eyes don't do it. Um, like I'll be sitting, I, I remember sitting with Clay in, in um, we were literally playing Batcat and he pointed to a picture and he said, the problem with this picture and most pictures of women is that women's heads have to be, I can't remember if it was larger or smaller. They have to be like like 10% smaller than they're supposed to be. And, and, and this artist doesn't know that trick. I was like, that, huh. I just see a picture of a woman. I, I mean, she, but he sees like these little, um, yeah. And Mitch, you know, he's a master of computer art. So he's like, he'll look at anything and he'll, and he'll just be like, oh yeah, he used this program and this program and this program and this program. <laughs> and that's how he did that. Like he sees like the matrix that I don't see. Yeah, they're just- That's they exactly what it's like. They see the code and I just don't. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, it's a, and it makes me feel like, like I don't know. Good for you, man. Uh, <laughs> could you just explain to me why it's cool? Like, cause it's, you know, and they're like, I don't know. The ones who do know, they have a YouTube channel. And they just they just talk while they draw, and that's that's the way it works. And yeah, uh, but I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you had a good time. This is yeah, this is our third interaction. Uh, not that I'm counting or anything, but uh, but thanks for jumping on my show uh, for doing this. It's the third time's the magical one. I think so because I'm because the remainder of the interview will be Batman versus Predator questions. I am in. <laughs> I fucking love no, Batman I, versus Predator. Just read it. I'm prepped for this interview. Literally, like, no, I, uh, I've been looking for someone who appreciates it as much as I do. And I've been like, not that I'm really going to talk about that for an hour, but maybe we will. Who knows? Because I don't, uh, you might, uh, I don't know how many, like, comic book YouTube interviews you do, but I will give you a little bit of insight, inside baseball on my dopey career in that the comic book 
YouTube audience couldn't care less about like the insights that creators have in their work. They're like, what happened to Batman this week? I'm like, this is the guy who will tell you what Batman's going to do next year. And they're like, shut up. And I'm like, right on. So when it comes to this, at this point, I'm like, no, let's just have a fun conversation because that seems to be more in tune with people are interested in anyway. Uh, and if we do get insight, we'll get into it, you know? I sympathize with this entirely because when I got back into comics, I, I like a lot of people, I sort of dropped out of comics when I hit high school. Same. And, um, and went a little in and out in college because I was an intern, so I kind of went in. And, but, and then I got back in in my mid-20s, but I was not a Wednesday warrior, I was a trade waiter. So I would, I would, because it, it was, honestly, it was a money thing because it was cheaper on Amazon because you get 10% off and they're already packaged. That was me in college. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it was, so, but, but I wanted to know, be involved in the culture and stuff. So I personally, um, I, I was, well, I mean, YouTube was good, but I was, I was a big, I, so I was big with iFanboy. They were like my, that was like, they were the boards I came up with. Of course. And so I, instead of reading comics, I listened to their show and I wasn't interested in them interviewing a creator i wanted them to say okay this is the book that came out it was good this is what it was about i'll pick this that is the up book that came back it was good it was i mean yeah. and it was it was my experience reading the comics and then six months later i'd actually read what they had recommended and by that time i had forgotten the details but yeah that's how <laughs> i experience comics so I, I sympathize with people who just want to talk comics and don't yeah. want to hear deep thoughts on I, I think that is the, the that's the majority and it's funny because it's you know I, it seems like big publishers comic publishers have no marketing budget because it seems like i mean and i don't want to get you in trouble so i'm not going to ask you to name names or talk about anything but but it feels like from an outside following people i don't like <laughs> the, well the following people are are, are, are cheap and <laughs> and don't allocate funds towards promotion because it feels like publishers go there's a book coming out um hey people who made the book would you mind tweeting about it like is that all we can do to promote the book. I feel like there's more we can do here to get people to buy these damn things besides telling the creators who have a following, they're already buying the book. You know, it's like, what else can we do to get these things out there? But the creators are just kind of like left to their own devices. What are we going to do? I guess we'll just tell other people to buy the book, you know, tweet about it, go on podcasts. But, you know, that's the audience that's already buying the book. I don't know. It, like I mean, PR for comics is very difficult, and um, and DC has a very good PR team, and specifically someone I work with who I utterly admire his work ethic, and and I, I think he's he's really good for this industry. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm Clark Bull who helps help me on a lot of stuff. I I just I like I like I sing his praises to to, to the um, rafters, um, but it's it's tough because um, the audience that buys the book. Um, consumes it entirely in a different way from the audience we want to build to buy the book. Yes. And so you're always torn between these two people where it's like, I mean, so, you know, they'll, they'll be, I remember they'll be like, hey, dude, we got you an interview with Rolling Stone. I was like, that's great. But like, if, if, if I'm a non-comic book reader, which almost everyone who reads Rolling Stone is, and they're like, oh, yeah, that dude wrote a comic. Cool. Like, and they don't didn't go on Amazon and buy it. That, that's not like, <laughs> That's, that's like me reading um, an ad for a radio drama in Punisher. You know, it's like, oh, that's interesting, yeah. but I'm a Punisher fan. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but I feel like the Rolling so Stone thing tough. is at least getting into the right wheelhouse. At least that's like, it's tangential, it's creative, uh, it's media, you know, it's disposable. It, it could have some kind of, but it's, a, it's an entirely different audience. 
So as such, maybe, I mean, it, it beats preaching to the choir is what I'm saying, you know, as, as far as like telling your own audience, hey, don't forget to keep buying that book you have on reserve. <laughs> like, that's not enough. <laughs> it's almost like, it's almost, it's, a, it's funny, you can't ignore the audience because if you ignore those people, because they actually pay the bills. Right. It's, almost, it's almost like the politics, we're in such a political moment right now where, where each party is deciding like, how much do I want to either get my base out or go for those people who aren't my base who might come over. It's yeah. like, it's almost the exact same dilemma. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, remember the, okay. I was going to say the industry is like, I, I know that there is this like mentality, or at least there had been this mentality of, well, we know who's already going to buy the book. Like, we have the lifers, the people who are already like locked in. Those are the people who tell you how much they hate your work for the last five years because they've been buying it for the last five years and they're not going to stop anytime soon. You know, and it's like, those people are good. I don't have to sell to them. You know, we got to sell to the people who don't even know you exist. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it seems like it's, it's a complicated mess of trying to market comics at this point. But I feel bad that the burden seems to fall on you guys. Because it's like, well, you, people follow you. Like, people follow creators now more than ever. And so as such, like, the, the burden of responsibility seems to be uh, on your shoulders as far as, like, promote the book however you can. Go on a YouTube show. Go on a podcast. Tweet it. You know, that, but what else can you do? I don't know. I feel like there's some kind of responsibility on the publisher's part to do something. I don't know. But, I mean, that's... I mean, when an actor in a movie comes out, they, they have the responsibility to go on, on David Letterman. They have the responsibility to to do those like pressers where they yeah. get, you know, five minutes with each person. I mean, part of um, your responsibility as a creator is to use the people's interest in you as a creator to point to your new thing. Sure. And that's, I feel like that's true in every medium. I think what's for, I mean, having started out in novels, God forbid. Yeah. Uh, fortunate about comics is that there are people that will listen to you try promoting <laughs> something as a novelist like like at least in comic books like I, and that was one of the wonderful things i love about going to comics was like there was already an infrastructure for promotion where right. you could go on podcasts you could go on youtube you could you knew where the ads were with novels that infrastructure really didn't exist that's it, interesting it's it might it, it might exist more now but just because the audience is much broader and their interests are much broader yeah um and they don't care comic book people god bless us we care so much so we want to we're like oh i just read a comic book let me go watch a show about comic books yeah, <laughs> let me, you yeah know. novel novel readers or readers are just kind of like i read something i absorbed it it's done like That's i right. guess you could go on goodreads and be like this is a really good book i wrote it please <laughs> give me five stars i don't know <laughs> yeah i have i know nothing about the publishing like the book publishing world outside of actually i i had a friend who was a editor at scholastic so i should know a lot but i really don't <laughs> Yeah, I remember some my first book, One Scribe Sky. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna name names here because you could just look this up. So I was <laughs> I, I was giving out free at cons. I've told so many times, like I waited in line for an hour to give Scott Snyder a copy, and I was just 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 be like, here's my book. Um, you if you want to read it and read about it, you can. If you want to throw it in the trash, whatever. Just it's here's a copy of my book. Exactly. People do it to me all the time, and I think it's a wonderful way. You've produced something. Get it in the hands of people who are who can influence other people. Totally. Um, so I did that for a whole year. And one of the people I gave it to was um, Scott McCloud, the famous inker in uh, New Mutants. A very nice guy whose children's book was my favorite children's book of all time. It's like superheroes A to Z. Um, my kids read it over and over. I highly recommend it. Uh, but, but, but so I gave it to him. And I gave it for a free copy at some con. I was like, hey, just, you know, and I bought it. And I, would, I had a policy that if I did this to you, I would buy something from you. Totally. Like if, if I'm just going up to your booth, I'm going to be like, okay, can I have that $20 print? Here's a free book. You know, like just so like I wasn't, you know, it, was, just, it wasn't entirely one-sided. It was transactional. It wasn't entire, yeah. You, I took up your time 
at least I can buy something from it. Totally. So I, I bought something from his table. I probably bought that book that my bred my kids for this long. And I gave it to him and it was great. And he walked, and then I, like the first day my book come out, Goodreads, I look, you know, interview, first review was from Bob McLeod. I was like, oh, <laughs> I gave that guy a free book. And it dumped on my book. No. It was like, yes, it was like, it was like, I didn't know what this was. It was a piece of crap. And I was like, Bob McLeod, I gave you that book for free. You could, you could just hate it and be quiet. You don't right. have to, you don't have to, it's okay if you hate it, but you yeah. got it for free from a, Poor creator. <laughs> That's kind of cool, though. I, I think I'd appreciate that in a in a small way. Um, but you know, and then I'd really cry myself to sleep. <laughs> That's awesome. I hope it's still there. I like that he. I like that he that he signed it too. It's like Bob McCloud says. Yeah. No. I was like, oh man, I love the New Mutants. How can I ever read them again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Apropos of uh, our, our discussion earlier about the uh, our Strange Adventures panel from Baltimore Comic Con, uh, you had a dope ass panel, just you and Dave Gibbons talking about everything, which was super, super awesome. Nervous, super and was that your first wagon. time like meeting talking to Dave, or was that, uh, or, or had you met at cons and stuff? No, Dave and I. I mean, I, I don't. Know, I wouldn't say we're like friends, but we know each other. We yeah, at cons, he was very kind to me when Mister Miracle was coming out. Um, he like came up to us because you know with the nine panel grid we're getting all sorts of did you rip off Watchmen all that stuff. Of course, he came yes. up just, um, and, and and at the Eisners when we we won some, some awards he came up and just congrats told us how much he enjoyed the book and, and took Mitch and I to the side and just and, and really sort of in a very just most lovely friendly way which let us know that like like I literally said to him I'm sorry I stole this stuff from you and he's <laughs> like I I stole it from Steve Ditko you know that's that's the way comic that's the way comics work and. And it was almost like a welcome to the club kid sort of pat on the back. Um, so I, I knew for that night, and you know, I've talked to him in green rooms here and there, but we've never had a conversation for an hour, just the two of us. That was a first. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a little nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 whenever anything like that occurs, it's like, it's just like, no matter what level of your career it is, I'm sure. Um, he's uh he's such a lovely gentleman that, uh, you know, you can't imagine him, you know, being, I don't know, abrasive or, or, or scary or intimidating. Once you talk to him, it's like, wow, like, oh, you're cool. <laughs> the, the hard part about talking to Dave Gibbons is that Watchmen was, what, 34 years ago or something like that? Yeah, just about. 86, right? Yeah, yeah, 86. So he's been asked every question from every angle on every about channel about Watchmen and his career has expanded 40 years so yeah. he worked in that book for a year and a half and so that's 38 and a half more years of his career but there's something inside you. my generation of creators I put myself I was kind of a late arrival to this generation but sort of that 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 the the, the generation that came with Bendis and Millar and um Vaughn and that sort of generation we were the fucking Alan Moore generation we were the guys who read Alan Moore when we were kids yes and decided that he had the keys to the kingdom and somehow we would go in that same door. Mm -hmm. like, and, and so um, to talk to the guy who did that to you as a child and who influenced everything you do and to not constantly mention it is a, is a genuine challenge where you're like, absolutely, I, I need to be respect. And, and, and his work he's done is incredible outside of Watchmen. Um, but still there's that, that itch inside you that it's, it's hard it's hard not to scratch it you know i'm sure it's yeah. hard when, it, when anyone talks to paul mccartney not to be like man just let me be 
tell me some Beatles stories. He's like, right. Was a long time ago, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you know what it is. The di- yeah, yeah. But the difference is, you know, D- Dave Gibbons has had a long and in- just just storied career. He, I remember when I met him, he was working on, like, in- some innovative, like, three-dimensional comic book format. Yeah, he did a lot of motion comics. He did a lot of motion comics. He was, like, tr- he was breaking new ground. And, like, not all of it made it, but it was just, like, Dave Gibbons, you know, due to pioneered the like, completely subverted the comic book you know genre every everything superhero genre comic book format uh is is still innovating you know 20 30 years later uh but uh you know paul mccartney did the Beatles and wings so it's like what do you go what else are you gonna talk to him about <laughs> like <laughs> at some point you gotta be like you know paul if you're gonna give me a hard time about asking you about the Beatles, really you're the asshole in this situation i mean like I'm not going to ask you about wings <laughs> or about a, or, or a really ripping uh, recipe for lentil soup. Like, forget well, it. Mark Marin interviewed him when his latest album came out, which I love. I loved his latest album. And, 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 and Marin, uh, this is the best question. Marin was like, are you doing the best work of your life now? Is this, is this your best work? And, and Paul, like, he took a pause and he said, well, well you know, I was in the Beatles. <laughs> Okay. It was, it was just a fantastic answer. I, I think of that sometimes when I'm like, like someday film will be like, oh, did you do the best work in your life now? I was like, well, you know, I did work with Mitch Garrett. You know what I'm <laughs> like, like, it was a moment, you know? Um, yeah. That's uh, fair. <laughs> That's cool, though. That's a nice, like, real understanding of, of where you are and what you're doing. And, and, and that actually humanized Paul McCartney a little more for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, he, he needed the good press. He's only worth a few uh, billion. I think someone, yeah, Paul, someone Paul doesn't need the defense. He's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, I will ask about Batman Predator because like I said, I've been looking to talk about this forever with anybody. So I'll, I'm I'll, in. I'll, I'll talk to Tom King. I, I put um, my top 10 Batman stories of all time. I was thinking, about, yeah. I was like, I think it's in my top 10. I think I'm that's exactly right. So yeah, same here. Uh, it's easily one of the top three best Predator stories of all time. I don't because think the, I've read enough Predator stories to have a... Well, like, I, I, cr- I cross, like, movies and stuff like that, too. Like, it's it's one of my favorite Predator experiences. Because, oh, including the movies. Oh, right? I include the movies because there's only two good ones. <laughs> That's good. That being said, no, nah, you know, I... Okay, so let, let's ask your opinion because it's, you know, I've got Tom King on the show. Uh, what a top top five best Predator movies? Top three, maybe? Top three Predator? Top three. I don't think I can name three. Look, the Predator movie, the only good Predator movie is the first one. All the rest uh, are see, not as good. It's not but as good, no. But predators, did, Predators? Yeah, Predators. One? That was one, a good one, right? Where they were the, yeah. they were the planet with, with uh, Adrian Brody. That's right, that's right, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I like that one. That one was all right. That one was I agree. Cool. Yeah, no, Predator 1, Predator 2, Predators. For me, that's it. Like, because I dig Predator 2 because it doesn't try to do the exact same thing, but it still manages to expand lore. You know, it's like, it's, tr- it's trying yeah. something, but it doesn't... As- you know, yeah. but it doesn't get too hoity-toity. It, play, it plays with the, it, it, it does what it's supposed to do, you know? Plus, As it's a the first kid, I like Predator 2 a lot, I remember. You I know, saw Predator in the theaters. I must have no. been, I must have <laughs> been nine or 10 years old. I don't think I could have been old. I was not, not old yet. enough to be seeing it in theaters. I saw yeah. both Robocop and Predator in the theaters. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Do, my best friend and I used to, because Predator used to come on, HBO. I didn't have cable growing up, but he had cable and to go to his house and watch. It was on HBO, and we yep. used to do a thing um, in 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 this the scene where um, oh god, the fucking wrestler who's mayor of Minnesota, Jesse the Body Adventure, Jesse right? the Body blows away the forest. You know, yep. Uh, you could you could stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, <laughs> so we, we'd always stand, whenever we saw the scene, we stand up and be like, <laughs> "I pledge allegiance 
to the flag of the United States of America. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't run the entire uh, runs the entire. You can do the whole awesome. thing. You can do the whole thing that. while he takes down the forest. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that movie was just on the other day, and I was watching. I'm like, this is still good. This oh, is yeah, still excellent. Did you know that yeah. Arnold named his dog Dutch? No. Yeah, he he got just got back from like surgery and. He was like, me and he's like, Dutch missed me or something like that. I'm like, you named your dog Dutch? You're, um, you're the man. That, John McTiernan had a run in the mid 80s that oh, yeah. few directors have ever had with Die Hard and Predator and um, uh, Hunt for Red October. Yes. I mean, that's like, that's like three of the top 10 action, Best action movies, movies of all, of all time. time. Yeah. Just, and he just was like killing them out. Yeah. Have you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Last Action Hero? Because he made that one too. I did not, I saw it twice in the theaters because I was big in Arnold at the time mm -hmm. and I did not enjoy it. I no. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, I also did not enjoy it, but I, 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 found, I, I found some appreciation for it because I recognized like, oh, you're trying to be subversive, but like, you know, the studio clearly wouldn't let you do it because it's just like, they didn't get it either and the kid's horrible. And, you know, yeah, but, I think that, that was the main thing. The kid was horrible. I remember exactly. that sort of dragging down the movie. Yeah. But John McTiernan directs it, and it like so the action sequences. I'm like, this is like classic John McTiernan Predator type stuff, and it's like, oh, because it is John McTiernan, and it like it is a pretty spectacularly directed movie. It's just too bad it's not. It's very good. I at the time I was so hungry for those like yippee ki motherfucker moments. Like that's totally. all I was looking for in a movie. I was mm -hmm. like, jokes are fine, but I want that moment where the hero gets knocked back and he's the last one and he takes it and it didn't have that moment and when he didn't have that moment for me at that time i was like well you yeah. lost me that's fair uh so you mentioned you saw robocop in theaters i assume you're also a big robocop fan or at least you're a fan of the robocop movie the first one i am and and i'm a fan of frank miller who wrote the next few i know <laughs> did you ever notice that third one had ninjas the third one had ninjas and a jetpack uh <laughs> the in the first RoboCop movie, there's a bunch of sequences that look suspiciously similar to sequences from Dark Knight Returns. Oh, really? Like when the guy, there's a hostage situation at like the, at, at City Hall or whatever. Like RoboCop goes through the wall and pulls the guy through the wall the exact same way Batman does. And oh yeah, like I think they drape the 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 governor or the whatever in the American flag. And like I was like, there are a couple of scenes I'm like, oh my god. But I think RoboCop came out a year prior to Dark Knight Returns. So I don't know like, if the chicken or the egg in that situation. But I just watch RoboCop again. Not, not necessarily you, but the audience at large. Watch RoboCop, number one, because awesome. Uh, Paul Verhoeven. Uh, that, that style of directing, I think, needs to come back. Like, we need some more, like, kind of, of that grit, of those squibs. Like, I love Dread. But Dread needed those Paul Weirhoven squibs to make it just that <laughs> extra. Because it's like, if you know you're making an R-rated movie, put the squibs on the people. <laughs> like, don't rely on digital all the time. With Paul Weirhoven always made two movies at once. He made a movie you watched and loved and when you were 13 and were just like, fuck yeah, man, someone got killed by toxic waste. There. <laughs> yes. And then he made a movie that when you were in college, someone showed it to you and you were like, oh my God, man, it's a commentary on the movie itself, you know? Yeah. And like, it's like totally the opposite values in what I thought it espoused. Right. Well, that's, that's Starship Troopers. As a kid, I'm like, this movie's totally baller. And then I'm like, 
watching it again as an adult, I'm like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> this is a movie about fascism. Right. <laughs> and it's like really well done. It's just it's just the same meta commentary as Robocop, but like ratcheted up to eleven. And I'm like, and I and here I am being like, Woo, these guys are really killing these bugs. And I'm like, oh my 100%, god, hundred percent, yeah, I know. <laughs> Genius. Anyway, but uh but yeah, what was your first exposure to Batman versus Freddy? <laughs> I first I mean I must, I think I read it as a kid, um, but I, right. I don't remember it because it was on my shelf and it wasn't like a copy that I had rebought. It was like a, a copy I must have bought when I was like a kid. Uh, 92, so I would have been 13. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so um, I, I had it. I remember um, the Alien versus Predator comic starring the woman who dresses up as Predator. Yes. Um, by the, I remember being loving that. I haven't read it in 20 years, but I just, I remember love and I, I mean, and I read Walt Simonson's alien stuff, um, which is, and um, yeah, so good. I was as a child, um, oh. as a baby comic book fan, <laughs> I was so mainstream. Um, yeah. Like I literally did not go out of Marvel and DC. It took me so much to drag me out of Marvel and DC. Yes. Except maybe like some comic, like even when the, when the cool guys I loved at Marvel went to image, I was like, Whoa, I don't know what that's about, man. There's no <laughs> Avengers. I don't yeah. know this Wildcats. That's <laughs> Thor's not in it. I'm not in it. That's, wow, that's, really? You skipped out I on was, Image? I skipped out. I mean, it went. Yeah, I. I. I mean, it's sad to say, but I don't. It because it's because I. My good friends did not like Tim Seeley and um, uh, uh, Mitch and those guys. They went right with the Image boom. I was like, no way, man. That's that's I'm not riding that up train. I'm all Avengers and yeah. I, so 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 like I very so when I read a comic like Alien v Predator was I, I felt like I was reading like this indie comic. I was like, you're allowed to do this in comics? Oh my yeah. god! Which you know, looking back, it's like incredibly mainstream. But, you know, <laughs> I, I well, thought I was being very subversive. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, and then you're realizing like, oh, they're licensed characters. Like this is a corporate thing entirely. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I that's funny to say because as a kid I was also super mainstream favorite characters are Batman and Spider-Man and I'm just like when they you know and the, when they did the whole DC Marvel crossover when they made that Demetrius uh Batman Spider-Man crossover I'm like can you just do this all the time because that's all I want is just my two favorite characters who are also the most marketable characters that you've ever found all in the same book uh, I still hold to that by the way I'm like if you made a 12 issue mini you'd freaking <laughs> you'd clean up forget about it it's just two fails put together but uh it seems doable I, I feel mean, like, yeah. I, the I, head of Marvel and the head of DC are the former business partners. Seems like I they know. could talk to each other. Yeah, come on, guys. I, I pitched this a while back. Tell, actually, I'm going to ask you because I'll just throw it out there. Why not? Uh, I, my pitch was, because it feels like, you know, it's it, we're in a weird place where companies, I mean, we're in a weird place that is in no way weird because companies are behaving like companies, which is like frustrating. But companies... <laughs> you know, DC and Marvel used to look at each other as colleagues for a long time. And like maybe competitors from like a perspective of like with the num let the number crunchers worry about that. But like the editors in chief, the the publishers, they were they like lived next to each other. Like they were friends. They had lunch together. It was very copacetic. And then at some point or another, like probably around major studio acquisitions, they were like, wait, no, we are we are competitors. And it's like, dude, no. If one of you goes under, the other goes under. And it's like, we need to shake off this concept of like competition. You know, if, if one does well, we don't, you know, like, no, 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 no. Everyone, a rising tide, ladies and gentlemen. But if, if, if you need to save face by uh, okaying a Marvel DC crossover, 
then use an intermediary. Like call IDW, a company you both work with, and let them publish the book. And then just take the profits. You know, like publish the book, take 70%. IDW would be happy to take that and be the number one selling book of the month every month. I, I feel like that's the way to fix it, but I don't know. It just seems yeah. like they all want to save face. I'm not sure I buy your your premise of the halcyon days of comic book use. Really, I I I think the the I mean I mean you go back and when DC was publishing Marvel and wouldn't let them have more than eight books out at a time, <laughs> um, and uh, and like you know the, the famous meeting where Infantino screamed at the DC staff because Marvel was outselling them because they were and, and said why like these books look shitty why are the shitty books <laughs> get your artist to draw shit like. Um, yeah, I, 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 and even like you look back at like the you know um, uh, the first crossover with uh, Superman Spider Man Superman Spider that's um, Jerry Conway and um, uh, Ross Andrew yeah and and, uh, and they had a huge fight over who would be bigger on the cover right? like, like that <laughs> you go true. back and then like they've designed the cover six times because and and so that's why it's such a if you look at that cover it's such a weird perspective in this yeah because they have both had to be exactly the same size and one couldn't be higher than the other so i yeah. i feel that the companies have always been um growly at the, growly at each other yeah in, no in i mean, like because i've heard that too i mean we've all heard the story about like stan uh you know hearing about what's going on on the other side where they're like oh they have a lot of words on on their covers so i pulled all the words or they oh they use a lot of green on their covers so i pulled all the green that seems more prankish than it seems nefarious of course it is from stan's perspective which has its own color to it uh so i can imagine it not necessarily being true more than it is entertaining um but i don't know i feel like look at the dc marvel crossover of the 90s and how that happened, I guess, based on desperation more than anything else. I mean, but at the same time, the publishers at the time or the presidents of DC and Marvel were both neighbors. Like they lived directly next door to each other in the same apartment complex and like hung out all the time. So it made sense for them to get together. I don't know. It, it seems like a no brainer, but I understand that synergistically, corporately speaking, it doesn't make sense. Like co collaboration isn't exactly a corporate strategy. I, I, it's, you know, a corporate strategy is always to make money and there's money in them, their hills. So someone will do it eventually. I, I hear you. That's the, 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 the dollar will always triumph. <laughs> I That's fair. I, I want to believe you because I, because I, <laughs> I want to see that again. I, I, I just, I just believe in collaboration and, 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 you know, just this, I don't know. I don't see DC and Marvel as bitter rivals. I'm a fan. So I guess I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, you know, like well, creators will switch sides without, you know, any real animosity. Uh, it seems like everything is oh, cool. See, I don't think that's right, man. I, I mean, behind the scenes, I think there's a lot of animosity. Mean, I, I know people who have been blackballed for going to Marvel. And really? Blackballed. Oh yeah. For Cause sure. it feels like that's just like, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. It's like, if I want to negotiate a higher page rate or if I want to, you know, get more creative freedom and I'm being offered a better deal over here, you got to counter or you got to, you got to understand that's just the way of the beast, right? Like, yeah, no, dude, I mean, you'd think so. Yeah. I, I, and I always approach this like, um, cause I, I've been in contract negotiations a few times where both companies, well, I've been, had the God fortune of both companies wanting me. Right. And, um, and both times there was 
there was genuine animosity being like, why are you even thinking of going to the other side? I was like, like, well, well, you know, have you ever watched basketball before? This is how the game is played. Exactly. That's that's like, you don't, you don't hate the the, the player in the Dodgers for seeing if the angels can pay more. You you just, that's, that's, that's what it's so, but, but in there, both companies take it very personally. There's a Hmm. lot of, yeah, like, um, yeah, I, I, because I mean, they're, they're, there's just the two of them and they publish differently and they have different philosophies and they both blame me. And, and, you know, the comic market is so fragile. So they both blame the other one for the fragility of the market. Oh, if DC didn't do this, we would be perfect. Oh, if Marvel didn't do this, we would be perfect. They're that, they're that unrealistic about the market <laughs> because that's, that's frustrating to hear uh, <laughs> because, you know, it is, you know, it's like trying to solve education in the, in America where it's like, it's, I say that because I used to be an educator, but like I say that because every time that anybody wants to start a conversation about changing any major piece of infrastructure, everybody has the black and white, 100% one magic solution for everything. And just as the case with anything, it's a multifaceted, complicated mess of, you know, collaboration and, and it's just about cooler heads prevailing and, 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 understanding the breadth of, of the situation. I, I'm surprised to hear that like any company that's been working in business for, for almost a hundred years is unrealistic about the fact that like, it's not just because somebody put out an event at the same time your event came out or, you know, a 12 issue miniseries came out around the same time that you were putting out some new initiative with a space book. You know, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's, it's, it's multifaceted. It's, it's a larger complicated mess. You should be more realistic about that. You know, asking people who do comics for a living to be realistic is always tough i think maybe well you're in a dream factory so i get the idea of uh <laughs> of being less uh but it's, i mean they, they have both i mean marvel and dc have fundamentally different approaches to and i have always had different approaches and it's almost like cooked into their dna yeah although both marvel's approach has always been um we're going to pay our creators a little less. We want the young, hungry guys. Yes. And they can make their money, they make their name here, make their money somewhere else. Hmm. D- D- DC's approach has always been, uh, we want guys that, we want the best guys. Okay. And, and we're willing to pay for the best. So DC pays more. Um, but, you know, it's the difference between, I mean, it's the difference between the Dodgers and the Rays, man. They're on TV right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, the Dodgers bought a whole team and they got the best they could get. And the Rays just got young, quick guys who could do, you know, like, yeah. And, and, and so it, it's just, they're two fundamental philosophies. That are, yeah. and, and they create different comics. So in, in DC, you get a lot, you, you get higher heights in DC. I've always said that. Like, I, I think overall, I grew up a Marvel zombie. I think overall Marvel throughout, if you compare their histories, put out a better product on average. Yes. There are better, Marvel has, has better comics than DC. But DC has reached heights that Marvel never has. Absolutely. In, in terms of Watchmen, in terms of All-Star Superman, in terms of New Frontier. Just, just the vertical imprint alone, Marvel is nothing like that. You know, you could say Marvel Sandman. Max and stuff like that, but it's just not that. Like DC can be like, here's 12 literary comics that can be read by the editor-in-chief of the New Yorker and by your 13-year-old son. Right. And Marvel doesn't have that. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and, and that's a reflection of their approaches. If you get season great veterans and, and I mean it, and it literally started with Frank Miller right Frank Miller was at Marvel he's like I have something called Ronin yep and he was the first guy who's like who highest bidder can buy it 
Yeah. And, and DC's like, we'll be the highest bidder. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so that, that was the beginning of that. Story. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Hmm. I never really considered the fact that their strategies were that diametrically opposed because I feel like, you know, they make a similar product, but you're right. The, 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 the imprint line, the, uh, and of course, like, you know, like who pays more and, and what has a better product, but it's, it's, it's very interesting that, um, how they, I don't know how they, how they beget each other. You know, they do one thing over here, another thing reflects it. Um, I'm surprised to see that Marvel hasn't tried any of the, any of the stuff that DC pulls. Like I'm surprised by their, by the lack of imprints, by the lack of minis, uh, or they have minis, but they're more inadvertent minis, you know, where they're like, well, you've reached issue 12. It's time to stop. Uh, you're canceled. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I've always felt that I'm a Marvel writer who's stuck at DC with a DC aesthetic. Cause I've, I've always felt like that's having raised in that sort of house of ideas. And yeah. Um, and, 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 and as a writer, you know, of, you know, interning under Chris Claremont being a big influence on me as a young yeah. writer. Um, I've always felt that just cause I look at, cause Marvel characters are very human. That's their sort of thing. And DC characters, I mean, the most oversimplification. Of it it totally is, but you're, but it's, it, it, it makes your point. But, and yeah. so I've always felt that I'm, I don't know if I said this before, so. No, it's, it's, it bears repeating because it's like, it, 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 it demonstrates your point. And uh, I, I think it helps to create a common language for the audience to be like, this is what, this is the point we're trying to articulate here. Um, but you it know, is funny that if you have a conversation with Marvel editor, the, well, you'll eventually get to, man, if I had those DC characters, I could fix them. Right. <laughs> and, then, and DC editors will be like, man, if I had those Marvel characters, I could fix them like that. Yeah. So I agree. The grass is always greener in the audience. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's funny because anytime, because part of my, the part of the fun of my job is that I get to pretend to be a comic editor. Like I get to just editorialize without <laughs> having to spend any money or, 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 or anything. <laughs> And, and, I, and people still listen, you know, they're like, wow, like, what, how would you fix Young Justice? I'm like, oh, well, here's how you fix the Young Justice uh, or any other team. Here's how you could create a really baller West Coast Avengers book. Uh, and people are like, yes, but um, there, I, I, would, I, I would never oversimplify to the point of thinking like, yeah, if only Marvel characters could go over to DC or vice versa. Like, the characters are so fundamentally connected to their universes and to their own intricate, like, aesthetic. Like, for example, we, we, the, one of the, one of the conversation we never have is like, what if Disney bought Batman? Just Batman. So you can keep all the others. We just want Batman. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna sell. Oh no, 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 no. I'm just saying. But like, well, but if, if there was, I remember there was discussion about you know acquisition of uh, of certain companies breaking up the whole thing, and if the characters were in flux or in question. But uh, but if Disney just bought Batman, uh, how you wouldn't get the same gravitas of the character interactions that you get at DC. Like the fundamental connection between Superman and Batman and how they come from two different publishing houses, essentially, but in their longevity, their proximity and their, and what they represent to each other and to the universe that they come from, ultimately when they were brought into one universe, uh, you know, it's, it's something that you can't recapture or re replicate in another publishing house. Like you can't just do that. You can't just take this character and drop him over here and assume it's gonna work. Let's well, I mean, I mean there's, an, there's an easy example in the fact that um, Captain Marvel was the most popular superhero in the 40s. Yep. Well, far and away more popular than Superman and Batman. Sold 
literally fifty percent more. Yeah, and and then through you know DC because they're a bunch of wonderful cheats. Um, <laughs> they they sued and, and got him taken away, and eventually stole him basically. Yeah, through the legal system and brought him into DC, and he's now their fiftieth most popular character. Like <laughs> he never achieved those heights again that he had at Fawcett. That's right. They t- taking that sort of they, they never. Putting him in the DC universe never made as much sense as him being in sort of the crazy Fawcett universe in totally. terms of appealing to that mass audience. Definitely. Well, and of course, the fact that, objectively speaking, Captain Marvel was a ripoff of Superman. And having a ripoff of... Well, I mean, you know, in, in the most objective, superficial of analyses, I think like, you know, it's like, oh, we got to get another strongman in a cape. Uh, this one's magic, you know, and, and I got a bunch of chicanery going on with that. But like having a Superman allegory in a universe where Superman exists is never going to work for you. Like he's always going to be in the shadow of Superman. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Captain America was a ripoff of the Shield. I mean, everything right. Was a ripoff of yeah, that's shield. true. Yeah, but there's a difference between Superman and everybody else, right? Because like Superman is the archetype. He's the original. He's the first. Like. There's something about Superman that you could you could rip off Wolverine. You could do like 17 Wolverines. You missed out on Image, but let me tell you, there were about six or seven Wolverines running around in Image uh, in the early days, and uh, you know none of them sold, but like you know they they ended up in uh, they ended up on plenty of Wizard covers over the years. But um, hey, I wrote I wrote a book called Once Crowd Sky. I had a character. The only thing my my favorite part about it is there's a Superman allegory, and his name is Ultimate. And he has a sidekick named Penultimate. I always thought that was clever. So I've yeah. sold in my time too. Oh, sure. Well, the, because you, because A, you can, and B, you can talk about Superman or talk about the themes associated with the character without, you, you can do shorthand. You know, the only time it doesn't work for me is when you're watching Man of Steel and young Clark Kent puts on the Superman cape, he puts his hand on his shoulders. And I'm like, who are you emulating? Uh, <laughs> what, is, what reference is he making? He's that good, man. He's got super, um, super sight. Yeah, he's got meta sight. <laughs> he's got meta sight. That's another power. Yeah. A- a- after um, shooting little Superman out of his fingers, he got meta sight. Yeah, cool. exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we. Uh, but but as far as uh, Batman vs Predator goes, um, <laughs> we got way distracted from Batman vs Predator. It's dissecting all of Marvel and DC. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but as far as Batman vs Predator goes, do you think that uh, Marvel's going to stick the landing with this with this Alien Predator acquisition, or do you think it's going to just go the way of uh, Captain Marvel at DC? I mean, um, yeah, it, it all depends on the creative teams. I don't want to put I, you on the spot about that. I'm sorry. This is a, this is all new stuff, and you know, maybe one day you'll you'll work over there. You know, and like you oh. said, it, people take it personally and I don't want to put you in a no, position. No, 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 I just, I, look, I, I work for Marvel. I work for brilliant editors. I think the teams they have at Marvel are, are great people. I think it's a fantastic company and they made my career. My career would be nothing without video. Um, and I, I, I think if, you know, you put the right team on that, you put a Donnie Cates on that, you put a, a Jason Aaron on that and you make it scary and silly. Yeah, I, I, I think they can do it. They just gotta, they got, they gotta make it, Dirty. I mean, that's that's always the problem with 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 comics. It's hard to make because uh, Alien vs Predator that that dark horse aesthetic of like scratchy and yucky. And yes, it's not Disney related. But if they can do that, and they can do it. I think. I mean, um, so I mean, I, I loved uh, uh, Aaron's Conan. I um, yeah, which I it's excellent. Was really good. So um, I, I'm sure they can do it. Again. Yeah. yeah, Marvel's handling of Conan 
not only did it completely come out of left field because, you know, you got Aaron's Conan, then you got Zub's Conan, then you got Duggan's Conan, and then you got the two or three Conan events that came out Savage. There, there was a, there was a, the Serpent Crown. Uh, there was the, the Dark Avengers, Savage Avengers. You know, a lot of Conan out of nowhere. And uh, you got a different Conan for everybody, but it's still the same Conan. Oh, he showed up in uh, that other, uh, you know, the No Surrender book. Um, but it's uh, but they managed to keep the spirit of Conan pretty consistent and keep the grit. So I think you're right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm really worried about like Whale and Utani being a competitor for Stark International and like, <laughs> I, I, and I don't know about you, you know, because I think about this a lot more than you do because you have a family. And uh, the, uh, but, but just because they acquire the rights, I mean, they're going to shove it into the universe. You know? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they don't, but I know they will. Like Marble and... Man isn't flying around now. No, yeah, but I don't know, and I don't know why that is. By the way, where's the where's the Marvel Man Tom King twelve issue mini? That's <laughs> that. Like, like I don't have enough trouble with doing Rorschach. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, at, uh, you, you, your Rorschach book came at the right time because they'd already done before the heat all came from before Watchmen. you know everybody's like how dare they and you know and you got darwin cook doing a mini doing a minutemen book and it's like how could you complain about having the the cuberts all work together you got joe and andy working together on a night owl book like come on and it's like yeah those are great pieces of art but like you know uh but critically speaking ugh. um but uh, but you had the before Watchmen and then you had the Doomsday Clocks. So by the time Rorschach comes out, it's like, oh yeah, fuck it. Like that was literally my approach was like people being like, aren't you outraged that Tom King's doing a Rorschach book? And I'm like, uh, I don't think you can get any more outrageous than Brian Azzarello's Rorschach book. <laughs> uh, I, I was a little outraged myself when they offered it to me, but I, I think it worked out. Did they offer it to you or were you, were you like, I got a Rorschach book? Oh no, they offered it to me. Yeah, I said no. I said hell no. I said please no, never. <laughs> I have no desire at all to do that. That would sound like a terrible idea. They mm -hmm. wanted me to, and Mitch to do it as our follow-up to Mr. Miracle, because Lord knows Rorschach would sell more than Adam Strange, you know. But <laughs> the publisher was uh, <laughs> was was smart about that. I mean Adam Strange sells well, but Rorschach sells better. Right. Um, right. right. But uh, yeah, I, I had no desire to ever sort of um go into the universe go into the universe to be compared to alan i mean lord knows i've yeah you lived in alan moore's shadow and i used to say omega men should be called who omegas the omega men <laughs> um so uh and to enter into that sort of shadow and and i and to try to like yeah because because he has such a distinct voice for rorschach and every time people try to and it's funny because he stole the voice from taxi driver right like right yeah um, but but he somehow captured it in a way that other people it's very hard to capture and i knew i couldn't do it i wasn't going to be the one to do it so i was yeah. like no no that's just not something i i can do uh so uh, that was a smart decision i changed my mind and, and, and said yes now <laughs> <laughs> was it that literally you were just like no oh that'd be really cool okay yeah <laughs> Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've said this before, so I, I'm sorry if people have heard it, but... Uh, I haven't heard it, so I'm, I'm uh, happy to be surprised. I, I know the Watchmen TV show came out, um, mm -hmm. and that to me was eye-opening in terms of, like, I watched, you know, I wanted, I wanted to hate it so much. I wanted to sort of fanboy and be like, this isn't Watchmen. You don't know what you're doing. This is, and, and I just ended up loving it and loving it more each episode where I was yeah. just like, whoa. And then I was like, oh, this is... It's not... 
it's not trying to copy Watchmen. It's just trying to speak the same language that Watchmen does. Gotcha. Which to me, is a different sort of element, which I hadn't even comprehended. I hadn't even thought about it. Like, I thought if I did Watchmen, I'd do nine panel grids and I'd do the same voice as Rorschach. And, da, da, da. and I'm yeah. watching this and I was, I was like, oh, you can speak in that. So that sort of got a buzzy me that it was possible. And then at the ver- at the almost simultaneously, I did a book with um, Jorge Fornes. Um, I did Batman Annual 4 which yep. I think is one of my best Batman issues I've, I wrote the whole time. I, I cannot tell you how much I love that issue. I have no argument with that. <laughs> and, uh, and and um, and I, I, I worked with Jorge before. And, and when I, I saw his art for that issue, I was like, oh, he's a genius. Like right. I have, like I'm sitting on, you know, like I, there's a few times in my career, like when I, when I start first started working with Clay, I was like, oh, this guy is a genius. Yeah. Or when I got, and, 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 and when that revelation happens to you, where you're like, oh, you're, it's kind of like, as a collector, it's it's like when you're digging through a long box and you see a hundred dollar issue for two bucks. You're like, you know, you're looking around. You're yeah, like, how, is this a tr- is, am I on camera? Yeah. <laughs> I camera? Yeah. So and, and so I was like, I can do and 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 DC at the time, their management has changed since then. Yeah. Um, was not hot on Jorge for stupid reasons, and so I and I knew I had to find a project that was worthy of his art, and that could and, and I was like, oh, DC really wants me to do this for a shock book that's worthy of his, and I knew he'd do a fantastic job on it. And I knew if I put pressure on DC, they'd let him do this book. I was like, you know, he told me to do the, I'll only do it if you give me Jorge. And they're like, all right, all right, all right, here's Jorge. And, we don't get it, uh, but okay. Yeah, and, and, and he was going to Daredevil, so Marvel was pulled, again, Marvel oh, versus DC. So, yeah. so he was getting pulled one direction. So I, I, so it was it was that kismet of the Watchmen TV series and just really wanting to work with Jorge um, on something big and 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 um, yeah. balletic and ambitious. Man. Forna's on Daredevil. <laughs> he was but, on it for a few issues. He, got, yeah. he did. He did, a, he did. He did. He did an arc with um, with Chip, and it's really. Oh, that's beautiful. right. Yeah, yeah. But I'm really glad we got Chichetto on Daredevil. I I, I love what Forna's is. That Rorschach book looks so good. And I got to tell you, Forna's did the cover, right? Yeah. Like the thumb. Now, did Forna's do the design? Because the design element of the cover is so good. The, no, the, design, the, the design was done in-house. Um, Darren, I forget what Darren's last name is, but he's the new, DC uh, hired a new designer about a year ago and he's killing it. Now he's they redoing. Did, did, is Darren doing future state as well? Like in terms of the design element? Because like the future state initiative looks real pretty. Like it's, I assume so. I don't know. I know he's, he's doing this. All my, all my books now have this special, I have these three books, Rorschach, Straight Adventures and Back and they all have this similar design aesthetic where they have a back and a front that talks yes. to each other and they have um, pages inside that are design pages. He's doing all of that stuff. That's awesome. Killing it, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's gorgeous. Uh, and the spot UV is, is on point. My wife is a designer and she's just like, have that's you right seen here. the, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Mine's at the office, but otherwise I'm at home right now, but. Uh, yeah, all this it. stuff, all that beautiful stuff. Yeah. All this, this page, which will become, well, which will eventually become important to the comic book. Oh that's yeah i love and i love the 70s look to it like uh yeah it's pretty anyway but yeah well i'm glad that uh i'm glad that you said uh that you ultimately changed your mind because that's the thing is that at this point you know because literally people have been asking me and i'm sure if they've asked me they've asked you a thousand times where it's just like don't you think that you know it's time to leave alan moore alone and stop doing this stuff with with watchmen and stuff like that and i'm like you know, after Doomsday Clock, who gives a shit at this point? Just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> like, not that I'm ragging on Doomsday Clock. I'm just saying, like, you did this huge thing. Like, this thing comes out, and it's just this big 
thing that's trying to say something about both books and you know and it and the world didn't end and the the seas didn't boil over you know it's like eh, we're fine and like and listen there's thousands of dollar bins full of before watchman books like and watchman's still celebrated and it's still a success and it's still subversive and it's still great like it doesn't change anything i i have the same shitty contract on sheriff of babylon um that they have on watchman oh the, uh, I signed it early in my career. The, the the contract where people keep buying the book, you can't, you can't have it. You can't have it back. So yeah. anytime someone's like, "Hey, we did a Sheriff of Babylon book club," I'm like, "Oh goddamn it! Stop reading that book!" <laughs> no, because <laughs> it's, it's such an easy TV show. You know, it's yeah, a, it's a crime series set in, in Iraq. So um, yeah, shocking I, that it wouldn't I, be a show. But I yeah. do sympathize, but um, in, in, incredibly. But I mean, there's a lot of mitigating factors to it to me and sure I probably, I probably but i mean just i mean on, on the big level on you know interviewing dave gibbons nothing i do is going to get gabe gibbons back the rights right AT, at&t is not going to be like oh tom turned down rorschach give gibbons the rights back yeah like, that's that's not a, a step but if i do a book rorschach that's really really good they're going to sell a lot of rorschachs but they're going to sell more watchman copies and dave gibbons is going to get more money yeah so, so like in it, it, it so I don't know in my head Dave gets and if this book's like I remember I went up this is a lesson I learned very early in my <laughs> career uh, well, I did a, a crossover in Grayson I don't even remember what it was called um, but it was with the owls with, with Scott's um, the, the court of owls yeah and we were doing a lot of sort of retconning to them and adding history and stuff and uh, I was at a convention it was the very beginning of my career and Scott was there and I, just, and I went and I Hey, let me run some the Let me run some Scott. Let me run some Court of Owls stuff by you. And, and and Scott's like, look, buddy, if it's good, it's good. And if it's bad, nobody will care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like they'll just forget. Like, like they'll or they'll change it. it. It's not gonna, yeah, it's not gonna affect like what is good is continuity. If you do something shitty, so you'll either add to my legacy or you'll be forgotten. Good luck. Right. <laughs> and, and, so I was like, oh, that's a that's a good attitude. So, yeah, thank you. That's nice. And um, like, hmm yeah that's cool uh so with respect to batman versus predator uh, the, uh, <laughs> i love this framing device i, I really do too i'm like really excited about how well it's going because we we're gone, almost done we have uh, got all the way through the world yeah uh have you read the sequels to it because it is uh such a such a masterpiece a master class if you will uh in uh in, in not only licensing but also in crossovers in a batman story in world building like it works so well have you read the sequels to batman Predator? no i have not i don't I really don't it's <laughs> good to know they're good quite terrible know. there has oh. never been one that held a candle to the first one and that's what's so frustrating is that it's like it's such a basic premise because like the fact that there is no that there had been until the acquisition there had no never been a predator show you know, like an HBO show or a Showtime show, cinema, it doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever non-network company licensed Predator, how there couldn't be like, an, like a Mandalorian-esque show where it's like each episode is a different era, different genre, you know, because I've said this a thousand times, I'll say it again because why not? Uh, but like for me, the Predator format is it's an action movie or it's, what, it's, it's any story. It's like, it's a C-level it's a story and then about around the beginning of act two, a predator shows up and now it's that. So it's, it's like a diehard movie where like no diehard movie except for the last one uh, was written to be a diehard movie. They're all different movies. 
that then they went, ah, the script isn't really good enough. And then they go, oh, you know, throw John McClane in there. Uh, now it's a Die Hard movie. <laughs> like literally Die Hard 2, 3, 4, they're all different movies. And then they just went, oh, well, if we put Don, John McClane in it, now it's a Die Hard movie. And then it's like, it's, it's great because of course, because it's just about Bruce Willis's charisma. Um, later on, it's the lack thereof. But in the early days, it's really quite compelling. But uh, with Predator, same thing. It's just like, take, take any middling script where characters are going someplace and doing something. And then a predator shows up and throws a monkey wrench into it. Because the predator is just a movie about like, like Costa Rican, Nicaraguan, whatever, South American uh, guerrillas moving weapons that are funneled by the Russians into America. It's, okay. And what's going to happen? Arnold kills all the guys. Right. But then the yeah. predator shows up. And now it's a cool movie. Like, <laughs> now it's not boring. Uh, predator 2, same deal. Uh, there's a drug war. Uh, you, and you know what it is. Like, uh, Don, Danny Glover is too old for this shit. Predator, though, movie. That's everything. Batman versus Predator. Yeah, there's some, there's a, there's a mob war. They're using boxers. Predator. Now it's a movie. Like, <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, and and I, and I would never have guessed that Dave Gibbons got it, right? Like, because Dave, you know, and not because he's not great, but more because he's too great. Like, he's too highbrow for for us Predator fans to be <laughs> to be like, no, 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 I get it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and adds to the mythology, but without, like, and, and knows what's cool, but keeps it grounded in the Batman world. Like, yeah. did you? I, okay. What makes me a good Predator story is it's, it's a fight for the alpha, right? It's like, ah. who is the number one? And right. that, 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 that's, that's what Predator is. I mean, that's, and then, and like, and that's what it's about. That's, you know, the, the, the first predator movie it's like man all these guys are cool each one yes. is cooler than the next one each one can oh, have their own movie each one can have their own movie oh shit, he killed that guy he killed that guy he'll kill he must be the best of all time. it's almost like a boxing movie yeah and then it's like no arnold's like no i'm the best of all time. <laughs> right like it's almost like there are brackets and just like they're working their way yeah up. and i think that's that's what david because because it's like predator comes to gotham who's the best who's the best are oh you're a criminal you're you're the best of it. oh wait batman's the best you know and yes. it's like and again it's almost it's just that same until you get the cage match between yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And I can see how a sequel will be back is how many times can you do that same plot? Well, of like, and, and they, oh, they back. don't. They don't even bother. See, that, that, see, the problem is Gibbons is giving you a Predator movie with Batman in it. Yeah. And the other ones are Batman stories with Predators in them. Yeah, that's And that's mean. not the same thing. That's not the same thing. Now, here's a question because I've, I've read your Batman run, but I don't remember it all <laughs> because I only what? read it when it came How out. dare you? I know. And uh, you've committed but, it to memory, but like you did a story with Elmer Fudd in it, so I have to assume maybe you might have used some of the mobsters slash boxers that come up at Batman Predator in your Batman run. Did you? And do you regret not doing it? I do regret not doing. <laughs> I never, I never got to do. Like my Batman run is very superhero Batman. I never did. And and Batcat, which is why I like it so much, it's not superhero Batman. This it's is the upcoming. The upcoming one, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I couldn't tell you exactly why it turned out that way. I, I but I never did sort of except for an issue here and there, sort of dark yeah. noiry, solving a mystery Batman. And it's funny because almost I mean that's how Mr. Miracle started. Mr. Miracle was supposed to be um, Mitch and I, because I would realize that like halfway into my run, and I think it was because I was reacting. I mean, I had Mikkel. Mikkel's not a dark and gritty artist for for me, and neither is Dave Dave Finch. Those were my two first artists I started off. Yeah, those aren't guys that you see doing um, 
you know, those aren't John Paul Leone. Those aren't right. Mitch Garrett's or Jorge Fornes. You give those guys the big superheroes with big muscles punching other big superheroes. Yes. So I was letting the art sort of lead it in that direction, I think. And then, so, and Mitch and I, I was like, Mitch, I want to do one of those gritty year one noir Batman stories. And and I had already um, had this idea for the War of Jokes and Riddles. And so Mitch and I were going to do that as like, you know, the wire, but with Batman. Yeah. And uh, and DC came in and they're like, we love that idea, but we love it so much. We want it in the main book and we want Mikkel to draw it because Mitch isn't good enough to draw the main book. And, and that's how that's how Mr. Miracle started. We just had needed another book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never until Batcat got to scratch that sort of noiry crime. You know, that sort of Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb, here are the crime families. Yeah. Like, I, I, I I'm I'm sad I, I didn't get to do that, but yeah maybe, well, maybe someday i i feel like there's opportunity there i mean you know but but what dc see. putting on more batman books no i think they're done they're yeah, just, I, I they're they, gonna, yeah there's a glass ceiling when it comes to batman books from dc i think <laughs> you're right, right. <laughs> yeah I, I can imagine if you were to come in you hey i'm thinking about doing a separate batman series another one they'd be like nah we got enough batman <laughs> yeah how relieved they'd be if mitch and i weren't just pitching like hey uh we're doing we want to do a, a the adam Strange brother, brother power the geek next they're like <laughs> what oh yeah i got a great come on d pitch yeah we want to no, we want to do batman yes please come in do batman. yeah, yeah do, so, do, do something we can put 30 to 30 covers on <laughs> <laughs> yes well with three jokers over they got to have something to scratch that extra itch because let me tell you something when when dark knight 3 the master race came out i remember that was like that was the time when DC was like had the top ten spots, and eight of them were Batman books. And I could imagine that was a good time to work working at DC, where they were just like, "We're on top of the world!" I'm like, yeah, you got eight Batman books coming out, man. I mean, um, uh, you know, uh, Liefeld has said this on Twitter many times that DC is sort of like this Batman company, and that the yeah. other book. And uh, but you, uh, I agree same with that. Still- but- yeah, I don't, I, I don't. I mean, as uh, having written some uh, New York Times bestsellers that don't have Batman, and I don't agree either. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh, I mean, having written a lot of Batman, yeah, I mean, there's something special about that character. Yeah, um, yeah. And and he touches um, a spark. And it's funny because it wasn't always there. Superman outsold Batman until the mid '80s. Yeah. Um, and Frank and, Miller. Until Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, they they don't give him. I mean, I mean, Frank has it's credit for everything hey frank's in rorschach you know i don't know if you know yes i saw that i saw the i saw the name drop there are a couple of name drops in there uh yeah. you like to do that i saw that there i saw there's a sequence in uh it yeah it must have been mr miracle where like everyone is in that big crowd scene where like everyone gets a panel oh yeah like just different true, groups yeah. mitch and i appear um and we in the last issue of Sheriff, we're in the background, and so I, I put us in the background of the last issue of Mr. Miracle. Yeah, and, and maybe last issue of Strange Adventures, you'll see us. Although oh, Doc, <laughs> Doc, Doc already put us in the background. We're I'm, I'm a bartender um, at Green Lantern's bar. With the, with the bar. Oh, that's awesome! Yes, that's issue four. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's it really. By the way, just as a quick thing, I know like if you haven't already watched it, but Tom and I talked about Strange Adventures, kinda, uh, with, with Mitch, <laughs> uh, with Mitch and Doc, uh, but. Strange Adventures is such a good book, and uh, it has—it's such a masterclass in storytelling, in uh, world building, and uh, let me tell you, man, like it's—it's it's just a triumph. You should be very oh, proud. This is the best. This is the best YouTube ever. I'm enjoying <laughs> this. Well, it's—it's it's rare. You know, you get to—you can tweet at people, I mean, and or you'll call me a nerd, uh, which occasionally will occur. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, your fucking your book is so good, nerd. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, got me. <laughs> 
but I noticed that's like a term of endearment. This is actually a phenomenon, by the way. I've seen it a, a couple of times where if you compliment Tom King on Twitter and really like cite something specifically, he'll call you a nerd. Yeah, that's my, that's my, I'm, I don't know what to say to people who say nice things about me. I, yeah. I, was, I was raised by Midwesterners and I think I, I were just, um, you know, th those are the, those Midwesterners as a, as a people, like we just don't like compliments, you know, it's yeah. just, it, I, I think it like risks the gods, you know? So, right. Yeah. No, um, don't bring <laughs> The rain won't come. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like winter has to end at some point. We have to be nice to each other. You know? <laughs> yeah. We're stuck here. We're stuck here. That's amazing. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I want to kind of wrap up, I guess, cause I feel like we're, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but, uh, but, uh, it, it sucks that we, you know, we can't have another Batman versus predator written by Tom King. Now that's the biggest, oh, yeah. that's the biggest that's disappointment. Sad. We'll do Wolverine versus predator. I mean, uh, you know, um, that's like, that'll sell like a Batman versus predator would. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> Dude who made a metal, does, does adamantium get melted by acid blood? I don't know. We'll find out, though. No question oh, about that. It was a, it, so my old 92 copy of that book, if you look in the... Oh, where did I have it? Where was that shit? Oh, my. I've got a vampire. Look at these books. Where's my freaking copy? Oh, you had a nice, like, shrine set up from uh, the other day. I did. Oh, I took them all out. Because I reread them all because I was interviewing the guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kingsman. Ah, there it is. My old 92 copy. Nice. Um, so old, like has the old logo on it as a bullet still. Yeah. But if you look in the back, it has um, the all the art. covers, the cover yes. art. And yes. it's by, you know, and you look at who these, you, you try to guess who they are because it doesn't, God forbid it would tell you Predator. who they are. But no, you got to look for the signatures. Yeah, you have to look for the signatures. But you know, but it's like, you know, the highlights of who's, you like, who was good in 92? And it's like, Arthur Adams. Yeah, you know, Art Adams, Mike Mignola. It's like, oh man, these guys, such geniuses, you know? Yeah. And you got Kaluta, you know, it's like, oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look how crazy. That's, oh, this is. Crazy. I know that. Oh. And look at this wraparound cover. That, ra that wraparound cover itself is dope. Yeah. I never got the trade. Cover. Yeah, I got it in, uh, I got it in floppies and, uh, and then again in Prestige. Every time I go to a, every time I'm at a convention, which of course hasn't been in an entire year, which, crushes me but i you know i'm not an idiot <laughs> so yes, that's uh, but uh but every time i go i'm like i find another copy or another three copies and i'm like all right they're a dollar you know what am i so i have like seven copies of the whole thing i but and andy, time, andy Kubert did it oh. and i work with andy and he's the nicest guy in the world and i could not have enjoyed working with him more god yeah man oh no i know he's that's uh, superman up in the sky ladies and gentlemen yeah. buy that book such a triumph it's a it's a master class uh i hope you do another superman mini because that thing was just so good andy does everything i dislike about art he mm -hmm. does he breaks all the, like i like things that are in boxes yes. i like one box after another i like a lot of panel a andy um will you know everything is bleeding into something i i'll my three panel page he'll he'll shrink down two panels turn it into a splash page um, and, yep. but because he's a genius, I mean, it's both in him genetically and the fact that he was, since he was two years old, trained by his father, Yeah, he can do things with storytelling that are, that are almost beyond my understanding where I'm like, yes, break every rule I like. Cause you're telling the story perfectly. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, man. That's yeah. That's, that's part of the reason why I enjoyed, uh, well, I have, uh, 
I have my Dark Knight 3, the Master Race Andy Kubert Batman statue. I was like, this is just, because Andy Kubert's Batman. How could I not buy that? Uh, when I was, when I was uh, younger, I picked up this, uh, this Batman Predator poster, which I, uh, <laughs> which is a, a fold out from one of that the issues. That is amazing. And I got it signed by uh, Andy and Dave Gibbons. Uh, you are a nerd. See, that's am, what my I, Twitter nerd is reserved for. This is up in my office, like next to my college diploma, this, uh, which by the way, I was like, when I, when I saw a poster, I'm like, yes. Oh, it's a fold out poster from the issue. So it's only the size of a comic book cover, but you know, had to have it framed. But yeah, Still badass, but it's Andy Kubert. Cool. That's an Andy Kubert poster. I got it. If I ever am in a position, because you you are an, you're a collector of original art. I have Andy Kubert. Those those big that big wall of art you're seeing that is all Andy Kubert art. That's one issue of my Up in the Sky, all twelve pages. Oh, that's awesome. The boxing issue is right back there. Oh, that's that's Mito. Yeah, that's Mito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a real character taking? Oh, I know. Um, oh, yeah. Is that that's Superman's like illegitimate brother, basically? Yeah, it's like something like yeah from yeah from I think it's like Action Two something. The early yeah, I wouldn't years. know the number, but uh, yeah. Well, I, I when we when we covered Up in the Sky, I I went into Mido where I'm like, so the Kents actually were no strangers to adopting orphaned aliens, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason King remembered that and put him in the freaking book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Uh, Kubert's great. It's why well, I feel like uh, I, I was blessed um, with kind of like tangential, like uh, you know, I was near greatness for my entire life. Like I grew up a couple miles away from the Kubert school, so I could just go. Oh, really? Oh, that's to, like, awesome. To like comic mecca and be like, I I think I've met Joe Kubert. I actually I when I did one of my first comic projects, I uh, I, I worked. I didn't know about like the like i knew about the internet but i didn't know about like forums and art collaborations and stuff so i just called the joe kubert school and was like any of your students want to work on a book and they're like yes here's a list and so i worked with one student of theirs and we got like a book done and joe was really sweet and like emailed me back and forth about like you know how's it coming now oh, like let me see some art and i'm like yeah and i, I the, the joe kubert experience there's that and then there's one time at baltimore comic-con of all places uh, he and John Romita Sr. are sitting together and they went, hey, you know, and I think, I think the Hero Initiative or some uh, charitable organization worked with them and they were like, could you guys do like a jam piece? And so they drew this like full page image and they were like, <laughs> and of course it's it's Joe Kubert and it's John Romita. So like, uh, the you know, the ideas from the audience were like Spider-Man and, you know, Sergeant Rock or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and he's like, I want to do Hawkman. And uh, and and uh, Ramita was like, and I want to do Daredevil, and so it's this jam piece of Daredevil and Hawkman oh. from Joe and, and John, and I'm like, and I wa I watched them draw it live. I don't know where that piece is, but whoever has it, let me know because I'd like to see it again because uh, I've Googled it. But it's like, yeah, you, you don't, because yeah, I, I I fell in and out of comics my entire life. Uh, as a kid, I loved them. As a teenager, I pretended like I didn't. Uh, you know, girls, I and know that, uh, yeah. I know that so, part. yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, like, got back into it, and then gr actual girls like came, and I, I found them anyway. But uh, <laughs> it was, <laughs> as it turns out, if you be yourself, you're actually more likely to to attract somebody. I remember the day my wife found my long boxes. My we weren't married back then, when she <laughs> found like, my long boxes, and she's like, "Oh, you don't like comics? This is like a thing. <laughs> you're like, like a, oh, you're a nerd." <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, <laughs> 
oh, this is this is not just like oh, I read them every once in a while. It's yeah. just like you have a closet full of these. Yeah, stacked no. and organized. <laughs> oh, that's that's really sweet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. But when you don't like when you get to see these things, like you get to watch like history be born and stuff. It's really it's really cool. Like just to like oh, I'm there that one moment because you know whatever yeah no i that's that i've never met um joe hugh or me a senior thank god is still with us yes um so someday i'd like to meet him someday. you got him man because he's he's super cool i had him sign a trade paperback i was like i'm such an idiot because it's like because it's slippery cover so like his name it just keeps every once in a while every year it, it, it just disappears a little more i'm like what am i doing if you talk to adam and andy you know you never know what's going on behind a family if someone's like oh i don't want to talk about my dad you know yeah i want to live in his shadow they're they talk about their father like i want my kids to talk about me like that's like they talk about him just like um yeah i mean it, it, it really is like a, a very much a model for me like i hope my kids hold me in regard as they hold their father yeah. in terms of just how much how much love and respect they give them and it's it's just it's 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 the nicest thing that's really cool uh before we go uh is there a character that people would be surprised to hear you really want to write about because you've you've done so you got to do batman so it's like you know you could you and because of your storied career in batman because of your upcoming batman book you can pretty much do batman whenever you want like anytime you're like hey i got a batman book like all right <laughs> until you fuck it up here you go um and you got to do Strange Adventures and Mr. Miracle, more fringe characters. Uh, but is there a character you're like, man, you bet you wouldn't believe it, but I got a killer pitch for this guy <laughs> or gal. Uh, I, I, my general philosophy is, and it's served me well, is I don't really care what character I'm working on. Right. What I care more is about um, the editor, um, the freedom that, that I'll be allowed to sort of work on the character mm-hmm. um, in terms of being ambitious and sorts of stuff. And, sure. and, and the, the art team, like those, those three things to me come way before the character. Like that's, yeah. I mean, if, if, if there, someone's like, Tom, you can work on you know, who my favorite character was, like Captain America. I love Captain America. Like you can work on Captain America, but you're going to have an editor who's going to be in your face every single day right. and tell you what to do. And you're gonna, um, and you have to, um, and you have to work with who we pick. Like, yeah, you have to work with who we who we pick, and and uh, and it's and it's some guy who you uh, who doesn't understand anatomy and is just the cool guy of the day, and um, and and and, uh, and you'll have no freedom at all in the six crossovers. I'll be like, no, <laughs> I, that that sounds awful to me. I'd rather work with you know Adam. <laughs> I I feel like the Adam's most boring character in DC universe. I feel like yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, so, so, so that has always been. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there. I, I, I famously um, had an. Uh, I don't know, famously, but I had a, an Aquaman pitch when I was, right after I had won like a ton of Eisners for uh, Mister Miracle. Thank God. Yeah. Um, uh, I was like, they'll take any pitch, and I have an Aquaman pitch, <laughs> and I, and I thought it was so. Fu- and I pitched it to Dan, and I was like, this is gonna be cool. It's gonna be like Mister Miracle, but with Aquaman. And he was like that's terrible. I don't want to do it. So, <laughs> so apparently I didn't have that much power. So yeah, I do have a secret Aquaman pitch someday. If I could Just get hidden back. somewhere. It's going to be like Mr. Miracle. Yeah, that's cool. Sure. <laughs> uh, so final question, are you doing the best work of your life? Well, you know, I was in the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm am I better doing, than Beatles. 
am I doing the best work of my life? What a great question. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you hope so as, as a person, but you don't want to be, you don't want to be the guy who's, who's wrong. I mean, um, our industry is lucky in that, like, Stan Lee was 39 when Fantastic Four came out. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Jack Kirby was 53 when he did The Fourth World. And most remarkably, of course, is Will Eisner was in his late 60s when Contract of God came out. Yeah. Um, so there is evidence that comic book creators can make great books. And Joe, Joe Kubert was the example of all examples. Yeah. Where at the end of his life, when he's drawn Wednesday comics, it still looks cool. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't evolve. He, his style was to the day he was never not Joe Kubert. That's right. Um, so so I, I don't think I'm past my prime yet. I mean, I've, no. only, been in, I've only been in for seven years. So it's not That's like, what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I just did it. I'm a... relatively new. But you know, uh, I ask this question to myself all the time. So you're, you, you struck a nerve within me. Like, fair do enough. I, do I, but yes, yeah, so some of the issues I've written recently, like I think Rorschach as a 12-issue series because it's all done is the best I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, it's not, it's different than Mr. Miracle. It's not as personal and, and heart rendering, but just in terms of me climbing out of my comfort zone, but still accomplishing something, I, 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 I like my work on it. It's one of those things like, I don't want to touch it when I get the letters. I was like, Tom, you did this right. So, right. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Good. I mean, the fact is if you're not done, then no. Right. Because like, if you're done, then you hope you have done the best work of your life. But if you're not done, you're thinking like, well, God, I hope not because what the hell am I keep doing it for? Like if you've, I, I feel like if you've done it, if you're like, I did it, then there's nothing to aspire towards. Then it's just bucket list stuff. You know, like, ah, let me see if I can make speedball cool. You know, like it's, it's never going to be like, I don't know. I, I feel like, right. Like you want to, you want to keep pushing. Well, it's, it's, but I mean, comic books are what makes them magical is they're a deadline medium. They're not, there, there, com, there are comic books that are awful that are wonderful because just these were guys who were just working hard to get it out the door. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that they accomplished that amongst all this stuff. And yeah, it's full of shitty and this is, but you see like, you can see their time and you can see their effort and you can see they were smoking cigarettes all night. And I mean, I think of like, like Bill Everett, right? Like Bill Everett created the Submariner and, um, and contributed to the beginning of the history of comics. And then like had a total breakdown, was an alcoholic, but he came back in the last year of his life and drew Submariner. You look at that, it's like the best Submariner, beautiful books, like John Byrne style gorgeousness yeah. from a guy who had, who's like totally broke. So like there, but he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't trying to make gold then. He wasn't going to recreate the Submariner. He was never going to be that 40s guy again, but he was still creating good work on time. And I think yeah. there is, there is, even if it's not your best work, there's still um, honor and, um, and just telling and keeping this keep telling stories. I don't know if that makes any sense. But. That yeah, well, it speaks to me, man. <laughs> so I hope it speaks to other people out there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Tom King, not done. Uh, so keep it up, man. And, oh, can uh, I promote? Can I promote something? Really quick? Yes. No. Yeah. How do you? How do we? I, what? What's what's up next? I, I just want to promote one thing. So I'm going to be on election day, eleven three. I'm going to be um, downtown at Fat Jack's Comic Crypt in downtown Philly, Pennsylvania. It's my only signing of the year. I'm terribly afraid of coronavirus, uh, but um, so I won't, you won't see me until I get a goddamn vaccine. Uh, but I'm doing this on election day because I want people to get out and vote. So if you vote on the honor system, if you voted, show up. I am going to give you a free comic book signed by me. Ooh. I'm going to have hardcovers. I'm going to have Rorschach number ones. I'm going to have Detective 1027s. Um, and I'm going to pre-sign them. So if you don't want to wait in some line because 
number one, you have the vote. Number two, there's a horrible virus out. Just come pick up a comic and go. Or if you're like, man, I'm super busy that day because I'm voting and working, I'm going to leave a big stack. Come the next day and get a free comic. Just if you're in Philadelphia, if you're in Pennsylvania, go out and vote. And as a thank you to you for voting, I'm giving you a free comic signed by me. Wow. Fat Jacks on Election Day. Fat Jacks on Election Day. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be the best deal you've heard all day. (laughs) So check it out. Uh, And of course, uh, you know, follow the man's career. You know what's up. Yeah, I'm around. You can buy my books. Exactly. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot.